This is the Rabbi Patrick Podcast, episode 14, all about Jewish weddings with my wife. So it's been a month, and as you can tell from the audio quality uh, on this podcast, I'm actually recording this from my cell phone because my computer that I was using, I am no longer using, and if you recall a while back I was doing this GoFundMe to try to raise money for the computer that I need. Well, the great thing is I actually have a computer now that I can use. Um, The computer I was using I can't use anymore, but I do have one. Um, The only thing is that it doesn't have my podcasting software on it. So I now have to rebuy that because Apple. Yep, because Apple. But I'm not going to disparage the nice people at Apple. Um, I'm just going to say that the GoFundMe will be coming back up so I can go ahead and get the software that I need because I need way more than just the podcasting software. In any case, this episode is about Jewish weddings. Um, And frankly, I haven't had time to really work on podcasts. It's been a month because uh, I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I'm now honored to be the rabbi spiritual advisor for Bonet Kodesh, a really great progressive Jewish community south of the James River. So we are all over basically the southern uh, part of Richmond, but we also do stuff in the city, which is pretty cool. Um, And it's just been a whirlwind, so I haven't had any time to do anything. There are still friends of mine in Atlanta who are wondering when uh, when I finally am going to move. And I've been here for three weeks. So um, that's how quickly we moved. So uh, speaking of we, when thinking about uh, doing this podcast episode, which I should mention this episode is brought to you by Kimberly Berry, who sponsored it. Thank you very much, Kimberly. And if you want to sponsor an episode so that Rabbi Patrick can buy software for his computer um, and not give you these absolutely lousy audio quality podcasts that should probably be banned from iTunes. Uh, You can do so on the GoFundMe page, which is in the show notes. Um, When thinking about Jewish weddings, being an officiant um, and having a lot of thoughts about Jewish weddings, I thought, you know, who the heck cares? I would say a stronger word, um, but this is a family podcast. Who the heck cares what I think? And since so many people liked the last episode uh, with Katsira for Shavuot, I thought perhaps someone else other than me should do the talking. So with that in mind, I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Stephanie. Hi. Yeah. So Stephanie, um, you had a Jewish wedding. Yes, I did. And you've been to some Jewish weddings. A few. Including uh a few I've officiated, mm-hmm. so I thought maybe you might be the expert on Jewish weddings at this point. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm the expert. Okay, so so Stephanie, um, so let's just start from the beginning. So um, how did I uh, propose to you? Um, I came home from work, and you know, I was... I mean, I hadn't even been home from work for, for very long, and it was like you kind of tested the waters. You're like, well, how was your day? You know, and I was like, oh, it was good, you know. And we're sitting on the couch, and we're talking about you had a meeting with someone from a sort of traditional congregation. Orthodox is the word you're looking for. <laughs> Orthodox. An Orthodox congregation in Atlanta who was looking for um, a, basically a rabbi, I, th- I think, or so you thought at the time. Yeah. Um, and you had a meeting with him later in the day, and he was talking about how he wanted to go in a new direction. Which later, a friend of mine who's a rabbi would tell me that anytime someone from a congregation tells you they want to go in a new direction, they generally don't 
So, in any case. And I promise, I know this is a long way of getting to the proposal, but it, it all comes it. around. Um, so, you had this meeting with this guy later that night, and I think I was like, you know, oh, we better get dinner going, and, you know, oh, are you going to go by yourself, or, you know, how is this going to work? And, um, and then you came over, and you popped out a ring, and you were like, well, would you like to go as my fiancé? <laughs> yeah, would you like to go to the meeting with me? Yeah, as my fiancé. Yeah, and that was how he proposed. Yeah, so super classy. Yep, super classy, super classy. And we went. And, and we went. Needless to say, I am not an Orthodox rabbi. You're like the furthest thing from it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and the meeting did not go well. At all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a whole other podcast episode, but um, nah, it was great. So, okay, so then we were planning a wedding. So what, mm-hmm. you're a very organized person, mm-hmm. um, and you do like very important things that we can't even discuss on the podcast. That's how important it's they are. It's super secret. It's super secret stuff, actually. Um, but it requires being incredibly organized. Mm-hmm. So when you were thinking about our wedding, what were some of the first things you were thinking about? So I was, when I, when we started planning the wedding, I was mostly interested in the religious components of it and the ceremony. I wasn't, you know, and I think this is different from probably a lot of people when they're planning a wedding. Like, I think they're concerned about the party and all of that. And for whatever reason, like that part of my brain doesn't work. <laughs> um, so what was meaningful to me was the ceremony. And I think one of the first things we did was, you know, contact who, who we thought would marry us. And he did, you know, and talk to our rabbi about what we wanted. Rabbi Mitch. Yep. Who you used to be able to find at Darshan Yeshiva, but he's uh, taking a break from conversions. And hopefully when I tag him in this podcast, um, he will be so socially shamed from not uh, being on Darshan Yeshiva's website at the moment that he will be forced to um, come back. So yeah, mm-hmm. big shout out to Rabbi Mitch. Yep, he's great. Yep, good guy. So did you feel, so the, the religious component was the thing that was most interesting to you, and, mm-hmm. and that made you different, you felt. Did you feel weird? Did you get pushback? Did you, what, what made you sort of feel like, oh, I'm, I'm really thinking about this differently? Um, I mean, I got, I, I got a lot of questions from, you know, like coworkers and friends and, um, my mother, um, <laughs> about, you know, like, what about the dress, and what about, where are you going to have it, and what, you know, what kind, are you going to have a dinner, are you going to have cocktail hour, you know, what about the flowers, um, you know, I mean, things I didn't even think about, I mean, really didn't think about. So. Yeah, okay, so, so how did you deal with those types of questions, since that wasn't kind of on your mind it seemed as much um you know i think with with friends and co-workers i think i i was pretty honest i was like i don't really care <laughs> you know yeah um and, and especially i think with co-workers who sort of know me you know and sort of the day-to-day work setting they, they right. that was unsurprising <laughs> so um and it was unsurprising to some of my friends too um particularly my gay male friends were unsurprised that that didn't really occur to me. So, you know, and they were like, oh girl, we'll take care of that for you. Nice. (laughs) Which they did. Yeah, they did. They did Um, a great job. And then my mother, I think like drove me to like a couple of nervous breakdowns. You, You probably remember those. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And it was, but it was because 
like she and other people in the family really wanted to help. They did. It was all coming from a very loving place. It just didn't feel like that to me at the time. Right. You know, and so I, I guess maybe that is one piece of advice I'd have is like, you know, to the extent you can, because you really are, I think for both partners getting married, you're in a sort of vulnerable position during that planning process to sort of, to the extent you can, like, try try to remember that when people are asking you questions or sort of, like, what might feel like badgering, which is what it felt like to me, um, that it's coming from a very loving place and they want to help. And at some point with my mother, one of the things I did do, I remember it was with flowers specifically. I was like, mom, I don't even know. Like, I'm working, like, 10-hour days. Like, I can't even think about this. I don't care. And she was like, well, do you want me to call the florist? And I was like, yes, yes, I do, you know? And it was funny because, like, the next day or something, she's she's talking to me, and she's like, well, I call all these florists. And she's like, God, are they a pain to deal with? Like, I can see why you're working and can't deal with this. So, um, so, you know, that's maybe one piece of advice. If, like, someone's badgering you and you think, oh, it's coming from a loving place, but it doesn't feel like that, ask them to help you, yeah. you know? It's so hard, and I don't know what it is about our our brains that we are somehow wired to not ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like, we see it as a sign of weakness or or, like, socially unacceptable. Even if people will literally tell you, how can I help? It's oh no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I've got yeah. I've got all this under control. Mm-hmm. And you don't, and you're losing your mind. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a wedding, if it's job, if it's what whatever. Like you know, anything that's going on, the natural reflex is to to not show any weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all out to get you, and mm-hmm. you, you can't show any vulnerability. They so. were out to get me with the wedding dress. So. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> so you were asked at one point by a family member to go to. A shop that was also a reality TV show. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever seen that, um, oh my gosh, say yes to the dress Atlanta. Yeah. Um, show on TLC. Um, uh, my sister in particular, at one point, she wanted to go there and like you know try on dresses and try to get on the show. And I'm like, no, no that that's just like that. not happening at all. Yeah. So. <laughs> so um, so in terms of the religious component of the wedding, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people probably who are listening to this podcast, that's what they're kind of interested in. You can, you can pick out flowers on your own. You don't need halakhic advice on, you know, what's the appropriate flower. As far as I know, there's no, I don't think there is any either. And if there is, I don't care. So, um, (laughs) so how about that? Um, but, uh, so when thinking about the religious components, right? Mm So what, what, are what for you were those components and how did you make those kinds of decisions so one of the things that was very important to i think both of us was um that anyone regardless of sort of jewish not jewish um orthodox reform secular atheist like whatever could feel comfortable in our way and someone just tried to call me on my phone but it's working now so um So that was one of the things that I think was very important to us. Um, And so some of the ways we dealt with that is, um, you know, we had our wedding at, you know, a time that that could really pretty much work for people regardless of like sort of religious observance or affiliation. So we did our wedding on a Sunday 
kind of late afternoon. So this is an important thing to me because I get asked all the time to do weddings on Friday nights, Saturday afternoons. Um, so this is Shabbat. And this is the time when traditionally we don't hold weddings. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't hold weddings for a lot of reasons. And, you know, someone asked me, you know, well, how come you'll do a bar mitzvah, but you won't do mm -hmm. um, a wedding? And it actually kind of hit me like, oh, wow, that's actually a really great question. And the reasons for it uh, are really coincidental. So, you know, with a wedding, there are a lot of things you have to do to get ready. And most of those things on Shabbat wouldn't work. So from an Orthodox perspective. So it's kind of just a fluke that you can do a bar mitzvah, but you can't do a wedding. But then coming at this from a progressive perspective, I mean, I really had to think hard about like, what was I willing to do? What was I not willing to do? What do I accept and reject? And how do you also define yourself by what you believe versus the things you choose not to believe? Um, and it was very important to me that we get married on a Sunday um, for that very reason that I knew we were going to have lots of different kinds of people. Um, and also, just frankly, and it's not meant to be a judgment of anyone, um, it's hard as a religious leader to do uh, weddings uh, on Shabbat. It's actually very, very difficult from a scheduling perspective and um, also just from a Jewish perspective. Um, and so, you know, it, it was really nice to to get to do a wedding, have our wedding be on a day that worked for everybody. Now, I don't judge anybody. There's nothing inherently better about having your wedding on a Sunday other than just the fact that I think it works better. And, and I understand why people choose to have weddings on Saturdays. It works easier if you have people coming from out of town. You know, they fly in on Friday after work and then they have, you know, all day on Saturday to get ready for the wedding. And then let's be honest, you party all night. Mm -hmm. So who wants to party all Sunday night? You have to take a Monday off work. And I, I get that. I mean, we don't, we don't live in Israel, right? Like we don't, we don't live in a country and most of the weddings I do don't have, you, you, it's not, there's not a cultural, um, uh, there's not a, a cultural influence to have a wedding on a Sunday and to have Monday off as being acceptable as a guest, yeah. right? Like going to your boss and saying, oh, I have a wedding to go to. I'm not going to be in on Monday. I, I get it. Like that's a, that's a tough, if not impossible ask for a lot of us. Yeah. So, and we were, we were lucky in that respect in that most of our family and friends were all in the Atlanta area. Where yeah. We were yeah. We lucked out. I mean, the only people that really came in from out of town were your sister and then my grandmother and right. aunt and uncle. Right. So. And they were down for the cause either way. So yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah, it worked out. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it's tough. Like, you know, when we, when I do weddings on Saturdays, I mean, I see how, you know, nice it is for people to have an entire weekend to have a wedding because in America, Saturday and Sunday is the, is the weekend, mm -hmm. right? And, and I understand that and, and appreciate that. But um, yeah, just taking it up for the more traditional end, it actually is really nice because I know from the amount of kind of stress we were under to get ready for the wedding and all the different things, frankly, it was nice to have, you know, half a Friday and all day Saturday mm -hmm. to to get the things prepared that needed to be prepared for Sunday and then to chill out the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and not and not have to be like, you know, it's Friday night and we're scrambling to get ready, you know, after work for a wedding that we're having the next day. 
Like mm-hmm. that's, yeah, I, I think we kind of, by, by being traditional in that sense, I think we kind of saved ourselves a headache and, you know, we also, let's be honest, we had like the most like 1910s Methodist Jewish wedding we of all time. It we, was so cute. We had, okay, so this is, this is what was up. So I was, so I was sick, which also didn't help. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was actually in the hospital, how many days was it before the... Three days. Yeah, right. So I think I got out on Saturday. No, mm-hmm. Friday. Wait, no, Thursday. You got, got out on Christmas Day. That's right, it was Christmas Day. <laughs> right, yeah, that's right. Christmas present for the rabbi, transverse myelitis, a form of multiple sclerosis. Who says you can't give Jews presents on Christmas? You um, got a spinal tap. I got a spinal tap. <laughs> The movie is great. The actual procedure hurts like the Dickens. So, um, in any case, yeah. So it was like we were going through a lot at the time, but um, um, yeah. So we we had already kind of planned to have a pretty chill wedding mm-hmm. anyway, and then thank God that was the case because I don't think either of us, with me having been in the hospital and you were like spending the night there and not sleeping and I think you were doing worse than I was at a certain point. Yeah. I think literally I had I think to, my parents literally made me leave the hospital. Yeah, we badgered you to go yeah. home. Yeah. I think my words, I think I said something like, baby, I love you so much. Get the H-E double hockey sticks out of here or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And my um, mother was like, you're leaving now. <laughs> you're leaving now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so we ended up having this wedding that was so super low key and, uh, yes, yeah, so we had no booze, we had no food, we had dessert. Well, we had, we had some wine. Where was it? I'm not sure. You know what? I remember where it was. It was in the back room because I started slamming it. Yeah. So did I. <laughs> and so did you. Oh, how cute. Um, um, anyway. So, I mean, that, that may seem unrelated. I mean, that's a special thing. I mean, I don't know that many people that have had, like... An emergency happened around their wedding, but I mean, it's it happens. I'm sure we're not the only ones. I know we're not the only ones that yeah. have had a situation happen around their wedding. So I mean, you know, and and the reality is, like, you know, you'll deal with it, right? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, you do the best you can. Yeah. I um, my security tag for my suit was still on my jacket. It had never been removed by the tailor. And we had to walk up and down the street in Decatur, Georgia, into all these businesses to find someone who was like an apparel retailer to see if we could find someone who could cut the tag off. And I went into places and said, look, I'll pay you. Like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you can solve this problem for me right now because I'm supposed to walk down the aisle. And, uh, yeah, and finally it was like your dad. My dad did. Yeah, your, your dad is so awesome. Her dad is like a Midwestern Hank Hill. Like he just, you know, he is the he is the prototypical dad. Like he knows how to do all the dad things he does. that I have absolutely like <laughs> literally like if 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 you know, he 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 lived in a time and was prepared for the Russians to nuke us and knew that he needed to like be able to survive. I, I you know, I grew up in a time where if anything was to happen teenage mutant ninja turtles would come and rescue us from shredder like that was the worst (laughs) possible scenario so yeah so he ended up doing that but okay so so weekend so uh sunday wedding yeah that was one okay um one that was important to you um was um kosher food yeah for the little bit of food we did have so we had a cake some cupcakes 
and like sort of dessert trays, I think. Right. That was kind yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but what we did have, it was all kosher. And if you've ever, if you've ever gone on one shoal back in the old days and you had a chance to meet, uh, Rivka, the bearded lady. So Rivka, uh, is a friend of, of mine. She was a leader at one shoal for a long time. She was at the wedding and, um, they came in and delivered the desserts. And I guess at most weddings, this was something I learned after the fact, you needed a, uh, they needed to give it to whoever was the kosher supervisor. Mm -hmm. And so they kept asking, who's the kosher supervisor? Who's the kosher supervisor? And I think even my mom was like, oh, I'll take it. It's fine. They were like, no, 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 we need the kosher supervisor. And then Rivka, who, uh, like I said, is a bearded woman, um, was kind of looking like Tevya from Fiddler on the Roof and was just mm -hmm. like, I'm the kosher supervisor. And they totally believed her. Yep. And so later, like, Rivka kept making these comments about like, yeah, I had to be your kosher supervisor at the wedding. And I just thought it was some absurd statement that Rivka was making. I didn't yeah. think it. And then, yeah, come to find out Rivka actually was the kosher supervisor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So we had, um, so yeah, we had from, from Publix. Yeah. 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 Our stuff was all from um, Publix, which is a supermarket um, in Florida and Georgia um, that has great baked goods if they're near you. Um, and our, um, the Publix near us had a kosher bakery. So, yeah. um, so that's where all our stuff came from. And that was an important thing for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the other things that was important to both of us was just writing a ceremony in a ketubah that reflected, you know, our values and what we wanted to see in a ceremony. Yeah. Um, and you did the ketubah. I mean, that was mm -hmm. all you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did. Um, and really what I did is, I mean, I went online. I took out, some, I had a bunch of books at the time. I had a bunch of Jewish wedding books, um, a bunch of prayer books. And um, then I just went online. And honestly, I, Ritual Well, um, if you know about that website, um, they have a bunch of resources on ketubahs and like different interpretations of the ketubah. And, um, so I, I basically just pieced together what I liked from a bunch of different sources and kind of sewed it all together. Just like how the Torah came together. <laughs> a lots of texts from a lot of different sources. But it worked, you know, yeah. and, um, we took and we, um, you then, I think, what did we do? We found a print we kind of liked. Yeah. So, so I found an image on like a, on a vector. So there's these websites you can go on if you're a graphic designer and you can basically like buy content. So if you need a stock photo or whatever, you can, you can pay like a few bucks and download it. So we found a background that we really mm -hmm. liked. And then Joe Strassler, who um, has done a lot of work for Punctura, I asked him if he would help, and we gave him the text, mm -hmm. and we gave him the background, and I think we just said, glue it together nicely, or yeah. something like that, yeah. And then he had it, I think, professionally printed for us or something? Yeah, or? something like that. I forget yeah. exactly how we made that arrangement, but, right. but yeah. But, but we, we, we basically just had it printed, and I mean, you know, we spent probably under... Under two hundred bucks, definitely. Oh, I don't even think we spent that. I don't. Think I so think either. we probably spent like more on the. I I know for a fact we spent more on the frame than we did. Yeah, that's the true. actual print. The yeah, the frame was the yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we, you know, if you go on these Katuba websites, and and I mean, they're lovely. They're beautiful pieces of art that you can buy, and if that's in your budget. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, I admire a lot of them, but it wasn't in our budget. Yeah, you know? no. Um, and I think a lot of people face this issue of, 
you know, you can go online and you can get the cheap Ketuba and it looks okay, but it doesn't, but you get the standard text and it doesn't reflect what your values are as a couple. Um, but that's all you can afford. Or you can go find these beautiful Ketubas where they'll kind of do whatever you want or they have a lot of really nice options in terms of both art and the language. But I mean, it could cost you 600 to $1,000, which isn't in everyone's budget. It certainly wasn't in ours. I once um, did a wedding that was an interfaith wedding and the couple, and I, I've seen this happens all the time. Like you were saying, people go on websites and they download mm-hmm. stuff and they, I didn't know in advance what their ketubah looked like. And so I went in and saw it and I read it and actually you were at that wedding with me and yeah. I remember pulling you aside. You were like, how's it going? Because I fill out just as a practice because it's easier. I fill out the ketubah in advance um, and then all we have to do is sign it uh, because it's a little easier that way. Um, and I bring notes with me so that I don't screw it up on accident, um, which happens. Um, and uh, and I remember you were kind of like, how's it going? And I, I was like, oh my God, Stephanie, like this is an Orthodox ketubah. This is an interfaith couple. Like mm-hmm. there are things on here. I simply don't know what to put. And I mean, so it was things like a bride price. I think. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a bride out there who's worth yeah a hundred a uh, hundred pieces of silver, and she didn't even know it. Uh, so so <laughs> in any case, um, yeah. So it's important, like yeah. do your do your homework on that one. Yeah, I would say on the ketuba, like you know, if if something more expensive isn't in your in your budget, you know, and and you want something more progressive sounding, like really look into maybe designing and printing yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Find a friend who's an artist and then pay them to do the art and then uh, find a friendly neighborhood uh, internet rabbi to uh, double check your Hebrew for you. And, uh, you know. (laughs) It's very doable. (laughs) It's very doable. Okay, so Ketubah, the food situation, ceremony on Sunday. And so... So ceremony, I think I completely wrote myself. Rabbi Mitch basically was like, do whatever you want. Remember this? (laughs) Yeah, there were, yeah, so there were... Well, okay. I remember it two different ways because I was also on tons of steroids at the time and not like the stuff that, you know, you were told in the eighties not to do. Yeah, this, this is prednisone, like psychotically high doses of prednisone. This is not happy, happy drugs. No, I have a friend who has Crohn's who's on prednisone on and off all the time. And when he asked me in a moment of solidarity, how, how much he took or how much I took compared to him, I told him and he was like, I'm surprised you haven't like gone insane. Like, that's so crazy how high that is. But, um, so I think, I'm trying to remember, the way I remember it is, we told Mitch what we wanted, Rabbi Mm -hmm. Mitch, what we wanted, and we kind of sat around and talked about it, and then he was using um, the CCAR, which is the Reform Rabbi's Manual, as sort of his guidelines. Yeah, he did. Yeah. At the end of the day, he kind of did what he wanted. Well, that's Mitch. That's Rabbi Mitch. He just kind of does whatever he wants. And, and, and more power fan- to him. And it was fantastic because my mother just loved it. Oh my gosh. Here's the thing is that, um, is that uh, yeah, so we talked about what we didn't want 
and we sort of kind of said how we wanted this to go down and what parts we wanted, what parts we didn't want. Um, and then Mitch kind of used uh, the CCAR, the Reform Rabbis Manual, and, and there's like four different wedding services in there, and he used whichever one. I don't know which what the number was, but um, yeah, but it was great because it was a wedding ceremony that, you know, 75% of the people at our wedding weren't Jewish, I would say. It, you know, fair, or, or 50 maybe, but um, yeah, so it was really something that was, was great. Something else he did mm -hmm. that I've tried to emulate since, since our wedding is explaining every part of the service mm -hmm. to, the, uh, to the community, to the, the friends and family as it goes on. Like that is so important and you gotta you gotta ask your rabbi in advance like please do this but let me just warn you on that one which it's fantastic everyone loves it it makes everyone feel very comfortable which is kind of what you want at your wedding but as as one of the people getting married <laughs> you feel like it makes your wedding drag on and on well and i mean you are just standing under that huff and you're just like man get it <laughs> let's wrap it up here well and so that's why i when i do ceremonies i charge a lot of money for ceremonies and i do that because i custom write every one of them like a script and then i give them to the mm -hmm. couple so they know what yeah. to expect i mean i know our wedding was only 15 or 20 minutes probably but... it was pretty short <laughs> yeah it was pretty short um but um uh there was a story i remember um, speaking of rabbis kind of going uh, sort of off in their own direction uh, about uh, <laughs> one of our favorite rabbis of blessed memory, Rabbi Ben Romer, who did a wedding and he started talking about the Holocaust at some point. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. he was another one of those guys who he just, he kind of went and everyone loved him for it. And, uh, you know, he could do nothing wrong. So, uh, but yeah, again, this is the kind of things you want to just clear up with your rabbi in advance. Like, hey, what are you actually going to talk about? Like, what, what, what parts of the ceremony are we doing or not doing? And um, what I try to do is I try to say to couples, you know, I'll lay out every part of it. You pick and choose what you want to do and how you want to do it. And then my job is, like you said, you sew it together. Yeah. And then I remember with the vows... I don't know. I picked something that was like just a lot of Hebrew. It was the it was the Hareat. It was yeah, the that very was it. it was the very yeah. traditional yeah, Hareat and Hareata. Yeah. Um yeah, which can be grammar confused uh very quickly or if you don't um so Hebrew is gendered, so you have to say uh words like Hareat is one um uh, gender and ata is another. So mm -hmm. yeah, you got to make sure that uh, you got that part covered too. That yes. those things are correct. I think you have some different preferences on vows. I I try to push my couples to say ani uh, ladodi vadodi li. Although I will say one time. I did accidentally omit a word from that when I was repeating it to a couple. So I said, Ani Lee Vadodi Lee, which means I am to me and my beloved is mine. <laughs> which I then thought about it and I was like, yeah, it's it's all about me and my beloved's mine, but the other person says it too. So it's almost like if I am not for myself, who am I? Which is Hillel. Which you should not believe any of that explanation at all. It's literally because I forgot and goofed up. Yeah. Once again, you write the service down and you repeat it word for word. Yeah. So and rabbis goof up. Man. And rabbis it goof happens. up. It happens. Fortunately, most people don't know Hebrew, so you know you could say abracadabra, which might be Aramaic. 
that's a whole other thing. Um, you can say abracadabra, and people will be like, that's cool. Yeah. So, okay, so... So what else? The chuppah. Let's talk about the chuppah. Let's talk about the chuppah. Tell me your thoughts about chuppah. So, we were, again, we were on a budget. We were at a point in our life where we were very much we on a budget. We just bought a condo, so we pretty much yeah. drained all our income, and then we're like, let's have a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good, because, you know... Kept us in budget. Kept us in budget. But, um, yeah. And we, and we were really kind of doing it. We we had family who pitched in for particular things that were meaningful. Yeah, like and my, then, my parents bought my dress. Right. I know? think my parents paid for all the food and beverage or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and the rest was kind of all us. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So we were very much like budget conscious and like, you know. And the other thing too I felt like is, and I feel like this with a lot of things, um, in the Jewish world, I find like feel like this with Judaica a lot of times is things things seem to be very expensive to me. Um, I think that a lot of times Judaica in particular is very very expensive, and it doesn't necessarily strike me as like what I want, right. you know. Um, so I felt like this when I was looking for a talit at one point. You know, I was looking for a talit, and like you know, everything is like over a hundred bucks. And I'm like, I'm going to spend over a hundred bucks. I want it to really be like exactly. the talit of my dreams, you know? <laughs> um, and I couldn't find anything like that. And so ultimately I made my own talit and right. it's great. I love it. It's the only talit I have, you yep. know? Um, and I love it. Um, and so the chuppah was kind of a similar situation for me. Like, yeah, you can go pay a florist to do it. Um, you can buy these, I think you can buy pop-up ones on the internet, you know, but you're going to spend a lot of money. And so what we decided to do was to make one ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what we did, our approach to this was very, very like do it yourself. Like, you know, um, Stephanie likes to use power tools. <laughs> it's true. Um, and so we got PVC pipes. <laughs> From Lowe's. Spray painted them. We spray painted them. Um, we our, The colors scheme we had was like purple and silver. So we spray painted our um, PVC pipe silver out on our deck. I'm sure our neighbors below us loved us for it. Yep. Um, we spray painted it all silver. Um, and then we got, <laughs> we got curtains from Ikea. <laughs> yep. Um, we got these purple Pack ones. of two for $9 or something yes, like that. Yes, we got yeah. some that were like the sheer sort of plum color, yep. which I think they still sell. So Nice. And then there's we also got ones that were sort of like a creamy lace. Yeah. Um, and so basically we, I think ultimately what ha ended up happening is they put the PVC pipe through. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, like um, curtains. Through the curtains. And um, alternated colors, and then just sort of draped and made it look real pretty. And we had artificial flowers. And then, yeah, we, had, we bought it like some place, like Garden Ridge. Yeah, or we went like to that. Garden Ridge and we bought garlands of artificial flowers. Um, and we glued, I, we glued them together. I think, right? We glued them together to make like nice, like garlands, so that they were like variations. Yeah, we we did that part, but then when it was set up, we had three friends who that's, actually that's, did it day of. That that's where the three gay men come in. <laughs> yes, very helpful. It turns out. Um, and so, um, you know, I was clearly. I mean, I was I was getting dressed like when when you've got like a wedding dress situation. <laughs> 
Like, you know, you're not doing anything day of, and then you were not really in any shape to be doing anything day of, I don't think. No, oh no, I was in terrible shape. Rivka and I had breakfast together and kind of like hung out in my hotel room until it was time to, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so our three friends, they put it together, them and one of their mothers, my best friend's mom. Yep. And your mom. Yeah. And that's, and that's who did it. And I mean, those, those five... Like, oh my gosh, if my they hadn't have been there. W- did the chairs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, we went, that was the other thing we did in terms of decorations. We went online and bought, because um, we, we got married in a dance studio. So we rented a dance studio for like four hours. Um, and um, they had like metal fold- folding chairs. And so we went online and like bought chair covers from China for yep. like, you know, 50, Oriental Trading Company. Yeah, like 50 bucks and they, you know, 100 chair covers with little bows. Which we then t- sold on Craigslist for like 50 bucks. Exactly. No <laughs> loss at all. No. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So, okay. So, ceremony, we kind of picked what matter to us and what we didn't want to do so like there's a lot of things you can do in a ceremony so it's how you do the processional so normally Mm -hmm. um i shouldn't say normally i should say traditionally uh the couple um is escorted uh male and female by parents Mm -hmm. so you have parents on either side which i had and but you had your dad mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah my my mom was more comfortable she felt like she wanted more of that sort of traditional like the father escorts the bride so, right right um, so you know we yeah we, we respect that yeah so yeah so we did that and um and then um usually there's some kind of opening benediction so um i know mitch did which is blessed are those who come in god's name which at the time, I was like, oh, that's so classical reform. And now I do that all the time with the congregation that, that I work for. So that's kind of fun how life works. But um, so we did that. Evolution. Yeah, it's true. You everyone have, evolves. Everyone evolves, man. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny how that works, um, you know. But in any case, um, so we did that. And then um, you have... Um, you know, different, you have, we did, so this is important, I think, we did the ketubah under the chuppah, which mm-hmm. actually isn't traditional. No. But I use the word traditional, more and more couples I know do it that way. Yeah. The ketubah ceremony was originally separate, but I think in America, because we have adopted the custom of the bride and the groom not seeing each other, which we actually did. That was another, like, mm-hmm. kind of your family and yeah. was kind of into that. And, and uh, yeah, so we kind of we kind of stuck to that one, which is funny because apparently we had a couple of close calls. And uh, I think your mom was sort of, like, in charge of yelling at whoever m- made God, yeah. God, God, got us too close. So <laughs> She appointed herself she, sheriff. <laughs> she was the sheriff, yeah. Um so yeah, so we, um, so because we did that, we had to do a ketubah under the chuppah, mm-hmm. right? And so we had, uh, uh, we had our, we had two friends sign for us. Mm-hmm. We signed, and then Rabbi Mitch signed. Yep. Which you can have just your friends do it, and mm-hmm. that's it. That's really tradition. Um, but uh, we, so we did that. So that's an innovation. Um, I think we made in the ketubah, you made a, th- a comment about gay marriage, which is now sort of like, 
uh, after the fact kind of funny because gay marriage was legalized a couple years later. Yeah, it it was very like, you know. Very what? I mean, you'd have to know what you're looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, You'd have to look at our actual ketubah to see to see what that that comment was, because then because then Rabbi Mitch, like after the ketubah signing, he read it, Mm -hmm. which is a a, kind of a traditional thing you do. Yeah. Um, But um, yeah, we had this. You put this one part in that should if you if you knew what to listen for, you would understand it as being a commentary about. marriage being bittersweet because those you love who can't marry. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that our gay friends, like it just wouldn't, didn't even dawn on them. Yeah. It well, right past them. I, but you know what? Like <laughs> to hell with us for, for thinking that like, you know, we should have gotten extra brownie points at our wedding for making a social commentary, like whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Okay, yeah, so we had that. Yeah, it, and that's funny. I never thought of that. And then a couple of years later. later yeah, yeah, gay marriage legalized. legalized yeah, so what the heck. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, so we didn't do circling in the beginning. I was, I thought about it. Because I, I liked incorporating traditional elements of the of the wedding ceremony. But, like, that one I just could not get comfortable with. Yeah, so, so traditionally yeah. the bride circles the groom seven times. Um, and then the progressive innovation is either you don't do it or you circle each other. Yeah. Um, and given your condition, you weren't in any condition. I could barely other, stand up. So, yeah. yeah, I could barely stand up. And um, our friend Gareth, who acted as uh, best man, um, actually a couple times had to hold me up yeah. uh, in the ceremony, which uh, what a more... Uh, beautiful, uh, poetic thing to think about what friendship is, that it's holding each other up. And literally, he did that. So, kudos to Gareth. Um, okay, great. So, so then we, um, so we did the vows, and the vows were traditional, and we did the rings. Um, and then we did, sh- did we do Sheva Brachot? Yes, we did. We did, okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we had the, um, a uh, Kohenic blessing was done, mm-hmm. which was funny because that was kind of impromptu. And Rabbi Mitch had um, two other rabbis who were at the wedding mm-hmm. actually come and do it with him. Yes. So it was. And one of them, I think, was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I could tell him. one of them was like, uh, this isn't my wedding. Like, what, well, you know. Yeah, and he was also a conservative rabbi. So yeah, so it was, may, it, yeah. yeah, it may have been that he couldn't do it. I don't know what the. Yeah. But yeah, but he was awesome. Yeah, uh, Lawrence uh, Rosenthal, Rabbi Lawrence, and uh, Rabbi Rachel Bregman. Uh, they both uh, were terrific, and mm-hmm. so we appreciate them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, breaking of the glass, Mazel Tov. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think. This is the soapbox I stand on. I will do a wedding Saturday afternoon. You can serve pork and lobster, whatever. That's your thing. I'm not going to eat it. But, like, you can do whatever you want. I am totally down, 100%. My job is to support you. Please, for the love of God, do something called Yehud. Because it is the smartest thing you will ever do. So, Yehud is... Going into isolation. So after you have walked down the aisle, you go into a little room and you chill out for about 20 minutes. No cameras, no, oh baby, we have to take the photos, oh we have to go do this. No, 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 no. You are sitting in a room with your spouse, your new spouse, and you do nothing but chill out. Mm -hmm. And we did that. And we drank 
wine straight from the bottle. Straight from the bottle. And I think I had half of an eggplant sandwich or something like that. Yes, you did. Yeah, because I was really hungry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, from being on tons of prednisone. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and that's great. You got to do that. You chill out for 15 minutes. I promise your guests are willing to wait. In some cases, if you're having a huge giant wedding and you have to transition people from one room to another, one venue to they another, they won't even know that you're missing. Mm-hmm. Like, please, 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 please do this. And to some extent, even with ours, where I mean, it definitely was more noticeable because I mean, it was literally, you had the hoopa at the front of the studio and then you had the dessert table at the back of the studio, yeah, yeah. you know, and we walked out the back door to the little, like room right you know yeah and i mean i don't know what happened in that 15 minutes you yeah know? but you know i i don't think anyone thought anything of it really no no and that was great it was fantastic to wind down a little bit because at the thing that i noticed uh at our wedding and i had done weddings before that as an officiant um and, but not that many um and now after the fact doing far more weddings is how much time um, couples spend having to be on for people mm-hmm. and having to talk to people and moving from you know talking to grandma to talking to your buddy from high school to talking to your old college roommate to talking to a venue planner to a venue manager talking to a person who's doing the food uh, you know dj whatever there's so many conversations you have to have and if you get above about 50 people at a wedding like it, it's it goes up by like an uh, what do you call it, exponential yeah. amount, right? You don't have double the conversations. You have quadruple the number. Mm-hmm. So being able to decompress mm-hmm. from the it's ceremony. It's like being a politician for a day or something. Yeah, you know? it is like being a politician for Plaster a day. Plaster that smile on and, you know, yeah. shake shake hands. Shake hands. Kiss babies. And kiss babies, yep. Um, so, okay, so... Uh, Really, as far as a religion is concerned, that's kind of the whole deal. So there's other things. I mean, people dance the hora. You do uh, this, either the songs Hava Nagila or Simantov. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like that. Some people will say a bracha, a blessing over bread. So hamotzik, uh, do a challah. Uh, we did not do that because we just had desserts. Um, we wouldn't have done that anyway. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, if you were to do it over again, mm-hmm. and aside from, okay, my health, there's nothing we could have done. Yeah. yeah, there's no, what would have been the one thing you would have done differently, religiously or just whatever in hindsight being 2020? What's the one thing you would have done differently? Um, if you say eloping, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Great way to end the Jewish wedding <laughs> podcast episode. Uh, yeah, just j- so I desperately wanted to elope before our wedding. <laughs> you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember I, that. I, actually, it's funny. So going back to Rabbi Ben of blessed memory. Yeah. I desperately wanted to just go to Virginia. Like I wanted to come up to Richmond. I wanted Rabbi Ben to marry us. And like our parents could come if they wanted to. (laughs) That was like my whole plan for like my wedding. Nice. And I was talked out of that by a very wise, wise future husband. (laughs) Nice. So, well, there um, you go. No, I mean, no, that's not what I would change actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
So I had read this on a couple of like wedding blogs um, and I should have done it and I didn't. Um, I would have asked like a friend to be like the day of coordinator. Yeah. Um, to just kind of coordinate things to have like a checklist and like, you know, just to kind of keep things moving and, you know, that type of thing. Um, that's really the only thing I think I probably would change. I wouldn't have like a wedding planner or anything. I would just ask a friend and give them a checklist and have them kind of like, you know, give them, give them a job. You know, it it goes back to what we said at the beginning. Like when everyone's like, you know, kind of badgering and asking questions and like, and they will at some point say like, what can I do? Let them do something for you. You know. Make a list of, and you can download them off the internet, mm-hmm. of every single thing that's involved in a wedding. Mm-hmm. Pick a person. Yeah. For yeah. each thing and just crowdsource. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crowdsource your wedding. I don't care if your budget is 1000 bucks or 25000 bucks. Yeah, like, and I mean, you know, going back to the theme of the podcast, I mean, yeah, that's like a wedding planning type thing. But, I mean, it's also like a Jewish value of like involving the community. Like, let the community support you. So, like, Judaism is a communal religion, you know, and even if not all your friends or family are Jewish, they can still participate in the community and support you. Yep. So. That's beautiful. We'll leave it at that. Stephanie, thank you for coming on the Rabbi Patrick podcast. Of course.